Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 139 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And here we are. It we is are. the few moments before the Super Bowl. So as people are listening to this episode, they're either going to be really jazzed or, or super bummed yeah, out. Yeah, super annoyed again. But at least, you know, I actually we're all kind of annoyed this week anyways because we lost the AFC championship. But what are you going to do? Yeah, that was, a, that, was a, that was a bummer. But now we've got, obviously I'm going to root for KC. I, I mean, think, yeah. I think it would be, I would be arrested. If I rooted for a team Brady was on, I don't even know what would happen to me. Oh, I, I think that's pretty I'm like pretty afraid. Safe. At one point, when he first started, I feel like people immediately hated him. And I was like, I like the cute guy. And I almost, someone almost hit me with their car. Well, like, we didn't is. immediately hate him because he had a pretty cool story for his first season. It's just that it kept on going and they kept on cheating. And then it got more and more annoying the farther we got away from it, you know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so let's go, Casey. I am excited. Um, have you ever had Bread Hive? It's a local. I th- yes, I have actually sandwich shop. So they for special events they make this giant pretzel and it's like Ooh. tire size, not tire totally. size pretzel, not totally, but how, pretty big. How much mustard could they possibly give you? For I that? do like a beer cheese really dip, and then mm-hmm. I did a cookie platter. So. I don't know. I'm acting like I'm having a party that I am not having. <laughs> I just got the you, snacks for you, it. You were just going to watch the Super Bowl eating a giant <laughs> bunch of cookies and a giant pretzel. Yep, that sounds that is, like fun, actually. Yeah, it's totally accurate. So um, the other huge thing is we kicked off uh, Black History Month. And, of course, as we always say, we shouldn't be waiting until February to celebrate black people, black lives, and black culture. They should be celebrated all year and not, you know— relegated to one month yeah you know which i think people are more aware of now yeah i think we're doing a better job for all ethnic groups kind of spreading it across the entire year as opposed to just like focusing it on like one week a year where we're like okay this is what we have to do but it's a good shock for people to be like oh i should read this or check this out Um, oh absolutely i mean it's nice to do this with different cultures you know and i try to really keep up and be like oh i should be reading something by a native oh i need to read something by an asian person so i really do try to Try yeah. to mix it up. You got a lot better than me, who I'm just walking around like I should be reading, <laughs> and then just period, and well, I don't. I'm reading Doctor Zhivago right now, and you know they made a movie about that. It's going to make me lay on the railroad tracks and let a train run me over. I don't like. I used to get know. I used to get Doctor Zhivago and Doctor Strangelove mixed up all the time, <laughs> which is you know really awkward if you're like talking about one and be like, what is what is wrong with you, kid? Those are not similar. No, not at all. Although better movie, I'm going Strangelove myself. I hate that movie. Um, anyway, let's get back <laughs> about Black History Month. So we have this entire month devoted to putting a spotlight on Amer- African Americans who have made contributions to our country. Um, originally it was seen as a way of teaching students and young people, mm-hmm. I think, about the contributions of black and African-Americans in school, um, as they had and still have been often forgotten or left out of the narrative of the growth of America, even though, right. hello, it explains our wealth. We need to tell these stories to our children. Yeah, so it's now re- it's really easy to build wealth when you don't pay your your workers ain't that ain't that something so now it's seen kind of as a celebration of those who've impacted not just the country but the world with their activism and achievements so for this pod what really kind of motivated it is that a while ago 
this is quite a while ago. Um, I saw a tweet from best-selling black female author Tayari Jones. You probably know her. She wrote that book, An American Marriage. It was oh, a really okay. good one. Anyway, and when I read it, it kind of made me tuck this episode away. And she's telling the story of this white woman who approached her at a book signing. And this woman, like, was raving about the book, An American Marriage, and how much she liked it, but that it was the first time she had ever read a book by a black female author, or it actually might have been just a black author, Oh, which is even more just astounding. So in the story, I mean, the author was understandably not particularly amused by this woman's like self-congratulations of like look at me i read a book by a black lady i I understand that i mean i'd be a little annoyed about that myself exactly but upon hearing that i kind of began to wonder about how many books people are reading by contemporary black female authors so we kind of ask everyone to take a look at your bookshelf and take a look at the authors on your bookshelf and think about if you are missing something or someone and if you are, you've come to the right place with this episode. Heck yeah, we got you covered, guys. We 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 scoured here for you. We found <laughs> we found the good stuff that you need to keep your eyes on. Yeah, and it's it's not difficult. There, I mean, publishing is still. I mean, it's like seventy nine percent white people work in publishing. Right. Um. So hopefully that will keep changing, and that at least the people in it are looking for different voices. I so mean, I'm sure like the uh, the Amanda Gorman poem at the inauguration is definitely going to like elevate a lot of female black authors as well. Like, Hopefully that too. I mean, and that is a book. It is on ordered library. You can get your own. Oh, well, there you go, guys. Can't wait to see coming, her on the Coming soon here on the show. Uh, so yeah, so today Jacob and I are going to focus on black female authors. Um, I'm going to stick on nonfiction ones that talk a little bit more about black life and culture. And I think Jacob has just some great books yeah. written little bit, by little, black women. A little bit lighter on the fiction side. That's usually what I go with. Not not so much of the nonfiction ones in that one. Too intense for me. Too, too intense. Too much sadness. I understand. I I thrive on that. Um, and again, we're not saying that you shouldn't just read them because they are black or female, even right. though those are parts of their identities that you know shouldn't be denied and are important. But you should read these books because they are fierce and brilliant, and we have some incredible writers that are ready to teach you or entertain you. Oh. All you got to do is read it. That's, that's all you got to do. Just sit there. You don't really got to do nothing. Just sit there and let your eyeballs do all the work. Easy peasy. Except when reading Dr. Zhivago, that is, that's more challenging. Um, when they dropped that bomb at the end, that was like crazy. <laughs> Wait, what? That's not a thing. I would be happy. Everybody can die. I really don't care at this point. They're all super annoying. And they all have 90 names and their names are so long and huge and they have like four nicknames and I'm not even kidding. Yeah, no, no. Well, I don't know. I've been reading Ken Follett books, so I'm probably right there with you, man, on these weird named long books. Oh man, Russian books. Very arduous. Okay, let's get into it. So the first one I want to talk about is a new book. It's called Our Time is Now, Power, Purpose, and the Fight for a Fair America by Stacey Abrams. I'm also currently reading this. She's kind of a big deal right now. I don't know if you heard about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you heard if you're familiar yeah, with there's, her. There's things. There's things out there. But so far, it's really good. It's one of those books you're like nodding along. Like, yes, that's what I think needs to change. So Stacey Abrams, as Jacob said, is very recognized right now and is an expert on fair voting and civic engagement. And in this book, she chronicles 
a chilling account of how the right to vote and the principle of democracy have been and continue to be under attack. And Abrams came into the spotlight, I think she would have been the first African-American woman governor, but experienced these effects firsthand despite running the most innovative race in modern politics as the Democratic nominee in Georgia, which she didn't win, No, but she didn't technically concede. So the book compellingly argues for the importance of robust voter protections and elevation of identity politics, engagement in the census, and a return to moral international leadership. I mean, a lot of the stuff that she goes over, you're like, this just isn't fair. It's very clear that a sort of, you know, that there is a problem with our voting system and the people who who can't. So the book is drawing on extensive research from national organizations and renowned scholars, as well as some anecdotes from her life and the lives of others who fought throughout the country's history for the power to be heard. So I have a Stacey Abrams quote from the book um, that I thought was good, which is, this is a narrative that describes the urgency that compels me and million more is to push for a different American story than the one being told today. It's a story that is one part danger, one part action, and all true. It's a story about how and why we fight for our democracy and win. So like, and like I said, so far it's very powerful, and these things... Holy cow, these things need to change. Like, oh, I mean, the <laughs> fact that people are having to fight and argue to be able to vote. I mean, it's the, mo- the most basic of, things. Uh, it's ridiculous. The it's, amount of votes that get thrown out. The How many people in Georgia that waited in line and then they'd come in and we're like, oh, we have no more provisional ballots. Or people that waited in line and they're like, oh, we lost the cord for the voting machine. And how many votes they threw out because of little discrepancies on the envelope and and things like that that are that are really terrible in silencing and I think this book really is kind of a call to action and can give you some ideas on how you can help. I mean guys, it's 2021. There should be an option through Google Pay or something to be able to vote with your with your fingerprint through your phone. You, they know who you are. You can buy thousands of dollars worth of stuff on Amazon. I know, but a lot of people that don't even have things like Well, that's like why I mean. That. It should be an option. Not that's how you do it, but you should have the option to vote digitally and remote. There you should shouldn't have to go there. Places open. There, Yeah, there is <laughs> like, no reason for us have to go to places to do it if we don't want to. There should be other options. And we shouldn't have to wait in line no. for six hours. It's crazy, to, guys. To 20, 2021, what are we doing here? What are we doing Well, here? I mean, and that's just it. A lot of that, it, it's extremely intentional. You know, oh, this absolutely. isn't just like a fluke, so it kind of goes over that in the book and how it's changed and how we can kind of move forward, and it's definitely improving, so there's, you know, a lot of positivity mm-hmm. in the book. Can't wait for her to get into a, a national leadership position. It's going to be pretty, pretty yeah, great. Yeah, Stacey, she's very smart, and it's just lovely. It's always lovely to see. Yeah. All right, so, what do you got for us? All right, so um, we got to talk about, of course, I bring her up every time we talk about black female authors, but we got to talk about Zane, who is the unofficial or the known, like, number one best-selling black female author. I guess so, yeah. So, guys, if you never read a Zane book, put the kids away before you pick them up. She is known for the erotic fiction section, basically, is There's, what she writes. That cannot be understated. She has 213 books that were bestsellers, and 34 times she was like one of the best-selling books of the year. So, guys, she's got 5 million books in print right now. She's kind of a big deal. So if we're going to talk about black female authors, 
we we got to give a shout out to Zane. You got you got to respect the goat, man. You really do. <laughs> she's she's been getting it done for a long time. I've heard no complaints. Well, yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So, anyways, the next one we're going to talk about here is uh, it was actually just made a Netflix show starring Elfrey Woodard. I don't know if you are a fan of Elfrey Woodard's work. I can you tell me something else? Not off the top of my head, but okay. I know she was quite. The I'll thing have in to the just 90s. look her up. Um, but she's a pretty good actress, and uh, she made this show, The Secret Women, which was a book by Sheila Williams. Uh, she was an author. She also wrote uh, Dancing on the Edge of the Roof, which is another book. Okay. I, I didn't really get a chance to check that one out. Uh, but basically what it is is it follows three women uh, as they develop a close friendship after meeting in a yoga class, and they begin to bond over their mother's deaths. Um, they agree to help each other sort out their mother's belongings, and they kind of learn the history of their parents and their mothers through, you know, bagging up their stuff, getting rid of it, and kind of putting their memory to rest. Okay. So it kind of, it's a viewpoint of all three of these women and it goes over all their histories and then as they grow closer, learning through their history and leading into their future, whole thing. I think it's a very interesting book idea. I'm, I'm always like the ones where you explore stuff you didn't know about your parents. Cause yeah, definitely. Like legacy is a thing that people don't really get a chance to look into a lot of the time. And like as a parent... Like, I'm not one, you're not one, but I assume there's probably a whole bunch of stuff about your youth you don't really fill your kids in on because you're like, well, it was a thing that happened. It's really not important to raising you, so. Sure. But it helps, like, paint a more interesting picture. So I like the idea that you can, and it's obviously good enough where they spent money to make a Netflix TV show about it, so. Yeah. Um, go check it out, everybody. If, you ever, if you're a fan of the books where you get about family histories, um, and you want to get a good side piece for the TV show, go check this one out. I think you're yeah, going to like it. I'm looking forward to that. Also, Jacob, I get 50% credit. I'm a step parent. Oh, that's a good point. It's actually. still involved. I always forget. There about are still that. humans that you have to keep alive half the time. That's true. <laughs> so. And you've so far done a good job. <laughs> um, okay. The Purpose of Power is my next book How We Come Together When We Fall Apart by Alicia Garza. All right. The name might seem familiar to you because in 2013, Alicia Garza wrote what she called a love letter to black people on Facebook. And this was in the aftermath of the acquittal of the man who murdered uh, Trayvon Martin. So Garza wrote, black people, I love you. I love us. Our lives matter. And with the speed and networking capabilities of social media, hashtag black lives matter became the hashtag heard around the world at that point. But she knew that hashtags don't start movements. People do. So this, you know, really ended up changing her her whole life. So before Black Lives Matter became this rallying cry for a generation, Garza had spent the better part of two decades learning and unlearning some hard lessons about organizings, organizing. So the lessons she offers are different from the rules for radicals that animated earlier generations of activists and diverge from that kind of charismatic um, patriarchal model of the American civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. So it's like bits of those, but it's it's different. You know, it's not the same thing that we've seen. So she reflects instead on how to make room amongst, I'll say the quote unquote, the woke, for those who are still awakening and can inspire and activate more people to fight for the world that we all deserve. I mean, yeah. Because we real we really do. So it is if that interests you, this is a story 
of one woman's lessons through the years of bringing people together to create change. And most of all, it is a new paradigm for change and a new generation of change makers from the mind and heart of one of the most important movements of our time. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's really it. I mean, if you don't really know what the Black Lives Matter movement is nowadays, like you, you're not you paying attention. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you definitely do. Um, but yeah, this book could help, especially if you have, you know, maybe there's misunderstandings or you're not completely sure, you know, where they're coming from or what their values are or what they're looking for. It's very difficult. Hashtags come out, these new ideas come out, and then misinformation comes along mm-hmm. with it. You know, there's kind of always two sides working against each other again so the library is here you know come in ask your ask your questions get your information and then you can move forward from there yeah with a brain full of facts it's delicious exactly guys go go get multiple ideas there's never a bad thing about getting more information that's never as long as the information is coming from a real spot anyway jacob what you got well it's not information if it's coming from a fake one (laughs) so okay so i'm actually this is a funny thing about me. I know you kind of guessed this. I am a big fan of silly romance books. No. I read every one of those Sookie Stackhouse novels. And oh, wait, you're being like, serious. Oh, I am. Oh, I read all those Jacob, bad things. Like you 12 are of them. layers and layers. I'm, I'm, I'm like an onion, man. You peel something. Wrestling you got and musicals. And romance novels. Go figure. And romance Ken Follett novels books. and Ken Follett. Okay. And I'm a referee for New York State and all that kind of stuff. Who would have guessed all this stuff? I just don't know. <laughs> So anyways, uh, there's this other book that just came out, uh, Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. Have you heard anything about this no, one? No, this I haven't. Okay, so this book introduces us to Danica Brown, who agrees to fake date her friend after a video of him saving her, quote unquote, from a building goes viral. So, you know, one of those little romantic meet <laughs> cute kind of things going on there. Okay. Your favorite? <laughs> I oh, love them so much. We, we'll talk. We'll do a whole show on it sometime and I'll, I'll host that one. Yeah. Um, However, in private, uh, she has other plans to just kind of seduce him. So she doesn't just want to kind of be a fake one. She wants to be a real one as well. Um, But this dude ends up being like a tough exterior kind of deal with a heart of gold, a guarded secret heart. That's how you like it. It's about Mm -hmm. you, isn't it, Jacob? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, But this makes her proposal for a friends with benefits situation more difficult than she imagined. I mean, this looks like just a nice, light, airy little read. <laughs> Your books I love. Yours really, mine are these heavy anchors, and yours are nice little clouds. It's why it works. That's what it is, man. It's why it works. So you just go read this book and just sit back. You already know how it's going to end. You pick, pick, you know, Picture Perfect, The Bachelor, whatever you wanted. You pick your romantic comedy ending. I'm sure that's how it goes. But it's going to be a fun ride, everybody. Go, go check it out. I'm sure you're going to see it on your screen soon enough. And just go have a good time. <laughs> okay. Go relax. Go read Michelle's book for like uh, an hour and then, <laughs> read, and then read this one, kind of decompress <laughs> yeah. a little bit. I like it. Um, okay. I'm going to do a couple here. So All the right. first one, Hood Feminism, Notes from Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. Um, and this is about how she feels that today's feminist movement has a glaring blind spot. And paradoxically, it is women. So mainstream feminists rarely talk about meeting the basic needs as a feminist issue, but food insecurity, access to quality education, safe neighborhoods, a living wage, medical care are all feminist issues is what Kendall is arguing. Because all too often the focus is not on basic survival for the many, 
but on increasing privilege for the few. And that feminists refuse to prioritize these issues has only exacerbated the age-old problem um, of discord and women who rebuff it carrying the title. So it's kind of like we need to get together and, and refocus. And there's a collection of essays in here where she takes aim at the legitimacy of the modern feminist movement, arguing that it has chronically failed to address the needs of all but a few women. So that is... Um, hood feminism and it kind of delivers an irrefutable indictment of a of a movement in flux so if that interests you if you you know mm, want to learn more about feminism or hear it from the voice of a black woman who's kind of showing that maybe there's change maybe the things that we are doing that we think are helpful are not as helpful as they should be. Yeah, your uh, your elevator pitch actually. That's pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, it's because I kind of see. Popular. I could see how there would be a gap there. Thinking about it, just from my own perspective of the feminist movement. And that's the whole point of this reading is where you're like, I'm doing this, but then you like find something else out, and you're like, oh. Yeah, it's like, okay, wait, what about what about these right. guys? I'm like, oh um, man. And I also want to recommend Well Read Black Girl: Finding Our Stories, Discovering Ourselves by Glory Adam. And this is like. And I mean, I think you can relate to this. I think we all can. Do you remember that moment when you first encounter a character in a book who seems to be written just for you? Mm -hmm. And you're like, hey, I love this person. Like, I see myself in there. And that feeling of belonging really remains with readers for the rest of their lives. I 100% was Matilda. Yeah, Holden Caulfield, man. He really, <laughs> really, me and him, we just saw each other. But the thing is, not everyone regularly sees themselves in the pages of a book. So in this really timely anthology, Gloria Adam brings together original essays by some of the best black women writers to shine a light on how important it is that we all, regardless of gender, race, religion, or ability, have the opportunity to find ourselves in literature. And some of the, the contributors in this, there's Jasmine Ward, she had that huge book, Sing, Unburied, Sing, from a couple of okay. years ago. Okay, I remember that one. Jacqueline Woodson has um, read at the bone that Tyari Jones we were talking about mm -hmm. with American Marriage. Um, yeah, so she kind of, she had like a book club turned online community called Well Read Black Girl. And now, you know, this is in this anthology. And she really created a space in which black women's writing and knowledge of like, their lives and experiences are lifted up to be shared with all readers to, I don't know, help us understand the world and ourselves. That's pretty awesome, man. I, I always like when you get to switch those ideas into like into the book form. Like oh, you get yeah. to take your whole brand yeah. and expand it and just kind of sp spread it out and everything. Definitely, that's gonna be a good one. I'm looking. I have not read that. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you'll get it done in like three and a half seconds. I'm sure. I will try. <laughs> all right. What do you have for us? And I swear. I'm not even ready. We've got Zane. We've got like just sexy time books here. That's Valentine's true. Day is approaching Jacob's mind. That's for sure. Well, this one <laughs> hopefully is not a okay. <laughs> indication of the future. So it's called These Ghosts Are Family by Maisie Card. Okay. It's her debut novel. And uh, this is why I hope it's not true. Uh, it's a gripping tale of generational trauma and what happens when it goes unaddressed. So <laughs> the story tells the man, story of a guy who uh, has a family uh, in Jamaica uh, who changes his identity and leaves his family behind. 35 years later, his daughters reunite with him and his parents thought, or his kids thought up until that very moment that he was dead. 
So then he has to put uh, the pieces back of his family and try to create a relationship with his daughters who thought he was gone. And, you know, it's not easy when somebody just shows up back from the dead on your family. I can't really imagine, but no, I could see that being difficult. So it puts a huge strain on his family and, uh, you know, it has more effects than you would uh, expect. And the part that's impressive about this is that it's a debut novel. Um, I think we, like I, some people say you always get people's best work on their first one, but I feel like you just need to get more into it. I mean, I think we say that it's just always really exciting. And there's been a lot with throughout 2020. There were quite a few black female debut novels that ended up being really big mm-hmm. novels. So yeah. that's exciting. Um, yeah, it was called uh, part immigrant narrative, part ghost story, part historical fiction and part family drama. That's yeah, that's, that's a, a heck group. of a pie right there. So if you're <laughs> looking for something completely unlike all the other books and probably going to be pretty, you know, pretty weird. That's you know, these ghosts are family is what to go with. All right, let's go with something funny. I can do it. I can bring you humor right now. Uh, can you? I don't know. I I've can. Put some serious books here. Um, you Can't Touch My Hair and Other Things I Still Have to Explain by oh, Phoebe Robinson. Wow. I just got into a time machine, dude. You took me back to high school with that <laughs> it's statement. It's all right. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's been happening forever. It, uh, I know. It's, it's a phrase that they cannot retire. So being a black woman in America means contending with old prejudices and fresh absurdities every day and comedian phoebe robinson has experienced her fair share over the years she has been unceremoniously relegated to the role of the black friend and Mm. if as if like she's somehow the authority on all things racial which must be exhausting (laughs) she's been questioned about her love of you two and billy joel because I mean, people will be like, oh, isn't that white people music? And she's I, like, oh. I would question her, too, because those bands are bad. Stop it right now. <laughs> and has been called uppity for having an opinion in the workplace. Oh, boy. See, that's a word you can't use. That's, it's awful. She's been followed around stores by security guards. And, yes, people always ask her whether they can touch her hair <laughs> all the time. Guys. So now she's, like, taking these topics to the page And she is going to make you laugh as you read about it because she uses her trademark wit with pop culture references um, and explores everything. I mean, there's stuff about like Lisa Bonet, why she's the queen. You'll need to understand that and help bring you into the world. She breaks down like the terrible nature of casting calls. Um, There's talk about like the NFL and how they need to clean it up. And this is all in that same controversial voice. I assume you know her from her podcast, Two Dope Queens. It had the top spot on iTunes forever. So, yeah, it's like personal and kind of political, but it really examines our culture, climate, and, you know, does it with with humor and heart. So I think she will end up writing a ton of books. She's she's super funny. I like where your head's at there, man. That's a yeah. good suggestion. Phoebe Robinson. Should I do in one more? Yeah, go for I'm it. Throw one more. We got. Um, I have a. Uh, I'm gonna say let let's do no. You shut up. Whoa. Speaking truth to power and reclaiming America by Simone D. Sanders. Boy, there's a statement I hear a lot on this show. <laughs> let me tell you. This is an inspiring call to action book. Simone is telling stories from her own life, um, and just about not shutting up <laughs> alongside alongside loud young revolutionaries who came before her to help you find your authentic voice and to use it to your advantage um, to fight 
ideological battles more effectively, maybe to resist those who try to silence you. Um, so she kind of like comes out and says, like, we're all winging it. Like, that's just a fact. We are just winging it through this life and trying to figure it out. Um, but the point is that, you know, you need to be out there doing it. So it's time to, like, get started, open your open your voice up, speak loudly, and, you know, don't stop. Obviously, no, you shut up. So it's kind of more than just a lot of the vote or die books that come out because she's saying that, like, that's important, but change doesn't just happen at the ballot box and that we need to be out there fighting oppression and justice and inequality in the, in the workplace, on the cultural battlefield and government and in every corner of the, of the world. So, yeah, it's really spirited storytelling, and it's filtered through a voice that cannot and will not be ignored. Well, so <laughs> there you go, everybody. Just follow that awesome title. Know exactly where to find that book. It's kind of like a new sort of toolbox to help you, you know, make a new commitment and maybe have the confidence to wield these new tools that that you have. Yeah. So go check it out, everybody. Sounds like it's going to be a good book, eh? They're all really powerful, so that's the thing. You're going to read them and then be like, I see things. I'm out there. Uh, you get to relax a, li- <laughs> relax a little bit about the Don't Touching the Hair book, but the rest of them are you know, going to be pretty, pretty serious But stuff. I think that book, too, though, is going to, like, it might be funny, but it's going to be legit. Oh, for <laughs> so sure. Take the info that you get from it to heart. Um, I know that we have more. But as always, we are running out of time. Do you want to be the true gentleman that you are and plug us up? You sure, I sure do. So you want tools, everybody. We got more tools for you at your local library. There are 37 branches all over uh, Erie County. Stop on by and check us out. You can also go to our website at www.buffalolib.org. Check out your uh, own account. You can see what we got, see the new hours for some of the libraries. Go check them out and um, see what's going on. And don't forget to follow us at All Booked Up Pod on Twitter to give us your own suggestions on books that we inevitably miss because we don't pay much attention on the show. Is that it? That's us. That's, that's the reason I'm going for this week. Total slackers. Um, also, please, you'll notice on the website there are new features. Number one, people that can't leave the house, um, disabled, ill, things of that nature. They have a, a new system where they can mail you what you want. Oh, and that's, the biggest that's cool. of all, give me a drum roll. Give me a table drum roll. I like that. There are no more holds fees. Oh, there you go. You can request all of these items just because you can't decide and you don't have to worry about paying a holds fee for them. It is amazing. You should be check out double, triple yes. the amount of things. Books, CDs, Blu-rays, guys. Literally everything, no Everything you fees. can want. Um, okay, so some facts to end with on Black History Month. The celebration of Black History Month began as Negro History Week which was created in 1962 by Carter G. Woodson, who was a noted African-American scholar, educator, and publisher. And it ended up becoming a month-long celebration in 1976. And they chose the month of February. Do you know why? I, I like, it's the shortest month. No. It co- <laughs> coincides with the birthday of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. Oh, okay. So that's why I, they picked it. I like the idea that at one point somebody was like, we need to workshop the name of this, but I like the idea. Yeah. They're like, this This doesn't totally work. It doesn't also, fall off the tongue. Um, we've done a lot of facts for, for um, Black History Month, but this one I was most shocked by. I'd never heard this before, that inoculation was introduced to America by a slave. Really? Yeah, yeah. So few details are known about the birth of um, Onesimus. I don't know. How do you think you say that? 
Uh, miss, yeah. That, All right, that's I'm going to stick with miss. But it was assumed that the, he was born in Africa in the late 17th century before eventually landing in Boston. Um, he's one of a thousand people of African descent living in the Massachusetts colony. Onesimus was a gift to this Puritan church minister, Cotton Mather, in 1706. So anyway, Onesimus told Mather about this centuries-old tradition of inoculation practiced in Africa, how by extracting the material from an infected person and scratching it into the skin of an uninfected person, you could deliberately introduce smallpox um, into a healthy individual, making them immune. And this Cotton Mather was like, oh, that's amazing. So he got a doctor to experiment with it when the smallpox epidemic hit Boston in 1721. Over 240 people were inoculated. And this was very political. I mean, religiously, medically, people were like, what are you doing? This is crazy. The parliament's like, bro, what are you doing? We can't just be making people sick on purpose, bro. But they indicated that only 2% of the patients that got inoculated died compared to the 15% of people who were not inoculated. That's a a sevenfold betterment, man. That's good. Yeah, and this African practice was used to inoculate American soldiers during the Revolutionary War and introduce the concept of inoculation to the United States that's amazing. That is pretty great, actually. Yeah. It saved a lot of lives, that process, for sure. Okay, and then did you know that there is a theme every year to Black History Month? Uh, No. Yeah, the Association um, for the Study of African American Life and History creates a theme every year, which I didn't know. This year, the theme is the Black Family, Representation, Identity, and Diversity. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna, I gotta find out where they, like, you know, where you find out more about that, because... Like, they have to have it up on a website or something. Oh, I'm sure you just got to search for it. And though the practice of celebrating Black History Month originated in America, other countries have started uh, celebrating since then. In Canada, they celebrate in the month of February as well, while in countries like the UK, the Netherlands, Ireland... They celebrate in October. Ireland. I'm a little surprised about that one. Hey, man, they're with the times. Well, Everybody's moving right along. So, um, okay, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Yes, indeed. Let's with go. a new episode hmm. that I, I don't Hope, know what it'll be hopefully, about. I'm excited. Yeah, hopefully we'll be in a good mood because the Chiefs would have beat the Patriot, would have beat the Bucks, and Brady would have retired after the game. We shall see. All right, everyone, take care. Bye.